Well, brothers and sisters, we'll continue um, in, on this time with our, our special fellowship along the line of the economy of God. Uh, we're just finishing the last two chapters. This is, you might say, the, uh, uh, the consummation of the content, and the yeah. next week is kind of like a recap on the, the matter of the focus of God's economy. So really, this is coming to the end of the, the, the progression of the burden in this book. And so let's read the title together for this chapter 23. The Church, the church God, God Manifested in the flesh. flesh. So, you know, I just was asking, what does it mean for something to be manifested? It's, it's for it to be kind of shown forth, to be shown plainly, uh, to be displayed in such a way that uh, there's no doubt about it. It's uh, something expressed. So the church is to uh, the, in the church's function, it should be God manifested in the flesh. Well, where do we get this from? Let's come to these verses: First Timothy three, fifteen and sixteen. Okay, and let's read these from our from the Bible together. But if, if I delay, I write that you may know how one ought to conduct himself in the house of God which is the church of the living God, the pillar and base of the truth. And confessedly, great is the mystery of godliness, who, who was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by the angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Amen. Well, this is an, a wonderful portion of the word. Uh, and you see here these expressions. House of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and base of the truth. And then, especially this first part, confessively great is the mystery of godliness, he who was manifested in the flesh. Uh, let's look at a few other verses. There's a couple here on this matter of the reality uh, or the truth. First is John 14.6. Uh, let's uh, declare this one together too. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the reality and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then uh, verse 17 on the Spirit. Even the Spirit of reality whom the world cannot receive, because it does not behold him or know him, but you know him, because he abides with you and shall be in you. Amen. Okay. So, um, I, I really appreciate this portion from 1 Timothy 3, 15 and 16. Um this matter, the first point that was covered here is the church is the house of God. And so uh, the, the, the thing partic particular in this section is the relationship between the church as the house of God and the, the manifestation of God in the flesh. It says here, the church is mentioned with the manifestation of God in the flesh because the church is the house of God. And I was considering, well, how is this so? Well, one thing is, if you want to know someone, you need to look at their house. If I really want to get to know, let's say if I'm, I'm caring for a new believer, and I really want to understand what their situation is, you, you should go to visit them. 
right then you get a better idea. I was so uh, I just enjoyed a little time with Mario and I. We had, there's this new one that we've been spending a little time with, and he spends a lot of time. His business is uh, he's a martial arts kind of instructor. So uh, Mario and I we went to this uh, his studio and spent a little time there. And uh, you know now I have a much deeper impression <laughs> of uh, this guy I meet at the park because I've seen him in action. You know what I mean? Uh, so, but uh, even more so, someone's house is where they live. So when you go to their home, you're going to see something of them expressed and manifested there. Uh, so I, you know, although the, the, it's coming from the book The Economy of God, I couldn't help but refer to the footnotes in the recovery yeah, version. Yeah. And uh, because, you know, the light from uh, 1965 or something, and what we have now in the footnotes, there's some development here. And the, the thing that makes this practical has to do with what is God's house to us practically? Well, Ephesians 2.22 talks about this household. It says the church is the dwelling place of God in spirit. Amen. And so I appreciated this. In um, footnote 15.2, it says uh, the reality of this house as the dwelling place of God, of the living God, which is, goes right back to 1 Timothy 3.15, uh, is in our spirit. We must live at and act in our spirit so that in this house God can be manifested as the living God. Amen. So, yes, we can say in truth and revelation the church is the house of God. But there may be, unfortunately, there may not be that much expression of that if we're not people living in our spirit. Right. Right. So, you know, as the points point out here, the house of God is the place where God dwells, Amen. where He lives, and where He works out His life. But for that to be realized, we must live, act, and carry out this in our spirit, which Amen. is practically the dwelling place of God. Because the Lord is with our spirit. Amen. Okay? So I really enjoy this. We must live and act in our spirit so that in this house, Amen. God can be manifested as the living God. Amen. This is wonderful. And then, uh, and, and see, we can read a little, uh, little C there together. When we say the church is the house of God, we must have the very deep realization that God dwells, lives, and works out His life in this house. So my longing is, brothers and sisters, is that we would have such a reality that all we would need to say is, come and see. Do you, do you want to know this Christ? You know, come and see. Here's the people who are living out this reality. This should be the way to... Now, in the next footnote, 15.3, I appreciate this. Um, uh, kind of strengthens this point. Because He is living, that is our Lord, the church too is living in Him, by Him, and with Him. A living God and a living church live, move, and work together. Amen. The living church is the house and household of the living God. Hence... It becomes the manifestation of God in the flesh. Amen. This is this is really wonderful. So saints, we need to live in our spirit. Amen. So that others can... You know, interestingly enough, I was reminded in 1 Corinthians 14, where the saints are, are living in such a way, they come and all are prophesying. What, what do they say? Amen. And some come, unlearned come in, and they sit down and they say, surely God is among you. Amen. Right? They're falling on their face. They'll see, this is God manifest in the flesh. Amen. Okay, then the second point is uh, two. The church is the pillar and base of the truth. 
So what our brother here asked, what is this truth? And I know we are, you know, we, we have a lot of the speaking in the ministry, but let's just pick up these one, two, and three. Truth is reality, but what is the real thing? I, I, was, I can't help but I was reminded there's a song we used to have in the supplement, He's the real thing. That's what Christ is to us, right? So two, what? Christ is the reality of everything. He's the real food, the, re the real life, you know, all the, the different items. So, um, you know, all you need to do is go through the Gospel of John, and you can see Christ is the reality of so many items. This is awesome. I, we don't have time to hit all the points here. But not only is Christ the reality of every positive thing, we can see that the Spirit is the reality in John 14, 17. His Spirit is the Spirit of reality. It's kind of brings us back. So if we're enjoying the Lord as we did this morning, now Christ is the life-giving Spirit, we're in our Spirit, then we are enjoying this divine reality. Okay, so B, how about together? The church in which the living God dwells is the pillar and base upon which the reality stands. You know, in this universe, somebody has to be upholding this divine reality. So it's being testified. So on the one hand, yes, we have the inward uh, reality. We have that the, the, this one dwelling in us, but there needs to be a testimony. See, inwardly, God dwells in the church. This is the house of the living God, right? Outwardly, the church bears the testimony of the reality, which is Christ himself. Okay, and indeed. If anyone wants to know what this reality is, what life is, what love is, etc., they must come to the church and see. Right. Oh, this is just so good. He mentioned numerous other points, but we, we couldn't fit it on this little sheet. We kept adding, you know, uh, his the way he kind of emphasized it. You know, we need to. If anyone knows what know what life is, what love is, what humility is. What kindness is, you know, they need to come to the church. Well, I was considering as far as application, how could we apply this? And this matter of reality, <clears throat> I was just considering three things here. First, in chapter 17, to sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So if we want to hold this kind of reality, it talks about, you know, Satan's word is vanity. It's a lie. But God's word is truth. If God's word says God is light. The word convey, contains and conveys God is light. Amen. So when we touch the spirit of reality in the word, which is reality, we, we partake of, we enjoy, we're sanctified in this divine reality. Uh, so we need to touch the, the spirit of reality in the word of reality, and then this reality becomes our content and our expression. Amen. Okay? So this is really an encouragement. We should pray, read, muse, uh, masticate on, and uh, the, the Word of God every day. Amen. So we partake of this divine reality. Now what's the issue? Three. The church is the manifestation of God in the flesh. Okay? So uh, let's, let's just read A, B, and C. Brothers A. The church is the continuation and the multiplication of God manifest in the flesh. And this, this is, is why Paul put these verses together. together. So in verse 15, it talks about what? That the church as the, the, the house of God and the pillar and base of the truth. And then it says, and confessedly, great is the mystery of godliness, he who is manifested in the flesh. 
They're not discontinuous. They're, there's a con, uh, continuation there. So yes, we'd say clearly that He is Christ. But actually, in reference to God, godliness, it's really God manifested in the flesh. But this is the living of what the church should be. So B, the manifestation of God in the flesh has much to do with the church being the house of God and the pillar and base of the truth. See, the church must have God in Christ through the Spirit manifested, not the doctrines and gifts in the truth. Okay, so he was, I, we have to realize the background which is saying in, in those days, many were touching the church but some were very, the brethren ones were maybe very strict on their doctrinal understandings. The Pentecostal ones wanted to push the, the, the practice of the gifts. But our brother was so concerned that what we need is to have the manifestation of God in the flesh. This is not just a matter of doctrines or gifts. So we need to have the testimony that God is real. We need to come and see Him. So this is the living of the proper church. So uh, let's look at footnote 16, note 3. I like this this part here. Especially the last part. He, okay, there's a transition from the mystery of godliness to he. He implies that Christ, as the manifestation of God in the flesh, is the mystery of godliness. Great is the mystery of godliness. He who is manifested in the flesh. This mystery of godliness is the living of a proper church. And such a living also is the manifestation God in the flesh. Right. Amen. So this is the consummation. It's not just the Lord with your spirit, but it consummates in the manifestation of God in the flesh. So now we need to kind of look at this, and oh, and because we don't have the, really the time to get into it too much, all the succeeding portions, even the sequence of them, from God, uh, what is justified, you know, the, the sequence here, of manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up into glory, even by that sequence, the church is implied. So if, if otherwise, it would have taken up into glory after seen by angels, or you know what I mean? But the fact that it, it has, and at the very end, implies not only Christ, but also the church. Anyway, let's come to the last point, four. We need to see how the church is built. Okay, sisters, hey. Not Brother Lee was so concerned the church would be made of the you know he, the church life would come to Los Angeles that the saints would make this a movement. We're not he said we're not here for a new movement. Okay, so it's not by outward change, but what? But mingling of God with man. This is the reality. Okay, brothers, B. Not, not built by mere teachings. teachings. There'd be some that would want to make teachings everything. He said no, it's not just mere teachings. What is it? but a real touch with God and life. We can testify what we got through our brother was not just mere teachings, but a real touch with God and life. Amen. Okay, Sister C. Not built by mere gifts. Some wanted to bring in, would try to impose tongue speaking and, and miracle things, and push that on the church. But our brother said, no, no, no. It's not just merely a matter of gifts. What is it? It's but... The imparting of Christ into us. In fact, he would say, you know, 1 Corinthians did talk about gifts, but in a justing way. People had the, the, uh, the what do they call it, the, the Pentecostal grip, right? And they, they'd say, oh, I speak more in tongues, you know what I mean? He says, actually, 
the tongue speaking in 1 Corinthians and the miracles that was adjusted. But in 2 Corinthians, it's not even mentioned. What replaces it? It's the ministry. And what is the ministry? The ministry is life. Amen. Constituted into a person and dispensed from them into others. This builds up the body of Christ. Okay, then, then D, brothers. Not, not built by position. Brothers, we shouldn't be ambitious for position. It's not a matter just of administration or having a good, just not even having a good order in the church. But what is it? But growth to maturity of the inner life. So, as we'll see in the next message, our brother, what were his accomplishments? It wasn't just in raising up so many churches. He, he, his, he valued the shepherding, the personal shepherding, the ministry of life that has perfected some. Where, how, how could you have this out? We have to have the growth into maturity of this inner life. Then we can minister life. This is the real need for the building up of the church. Okay, so we shouldn't be ambitious. Rather, we should aspire to grow in life and to minister life for the building up of the body of Christ. Amen. I think that's probably good enough. Okay? Amen. Amen.